we, uh, you know, we're fortunate when when our uh, part of our music team is not here, we're able to uh, augment and uh, still have music. And these these two dear ladies have uh, come to lead us in it, so we're we're blessed. Would you stand, please? So Pastor also asked me to introduce some of the songs as well, and um, uh, obviously I'm going to do it a little bit differently than Chip, but that's fine. Um, the first song that we're going to do is You Are God Alone, and uh, I found this passage in Second Kings um, in chapter 19. Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned on the Ark of the Covenant, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. The world has gods made of wood and stone, fashioned by human hands. Now, Lord, our God, deliver us so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord, are God. You are Lord a God created by human hands. You are not a God dependent on any mortal man. You are not a God in need of anything we can give by your plan. That's just the way it is. You are not a God created by human hands. You are not a God dependent on any mortal man. You are not a God in need of anything we can give by your plan. That's just the way it is. You are God before time began, you were on your throne, you were God alone, and right now, in the good times and bad, you are on your throne, you are God alone. You are God whose power none can contend you're the only god whose name and praise will never end you're the only god who's worthy of everything we can give you are god that's just the way it is god alone from before time began good times and bad, you are on your throne, you are God alone, you're unchangeable, you're 
what you are. You're unchangeable. You're unshakable. You're unstoppable. That's what you are. You are God alone from before time began. You are on your throne. You are God alone. And right now, in the good times and bad, you are on your throne. You are God alone. You're unchangeable. You're unshakable. You're unstoppable. That's what you While uh, Emily switches songs for us on the DVDs, um, the next song is In Christ Alone. And uh, I looked it up, and St Stuart Townsend is one of the people who wrote the song. And uh, he said th he thought the lyrics should be about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and what that means for us. He says the power of the song points to what Christ went through. We get to stand before him not because of our great faith or because we are doing well as a Christian, but purely and simply because of what he has done. That's why the song is helpful. That's why it means something. We are saved in Christ alone. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless babe this gift of love and righteousness scorned by the ones he came to save till on that cross as Jesus 
Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ I live. There in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain, then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again, and as he stands in victory, since curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. Guilt in life, no fear in death, this is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ I'll stand.
So it's always interesting to me to see how a pastor weaves all of the songs that we do into his message as well. Um, but I found an, another devotional from somebody for um, from the inside out. Um, the very key to life is allowing the Spirit of God to work from the inside out. We need the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, to fill us from the inside out. When God is working from the inside out, there's something that causes us to want to follow him. We just know that something on the inside is moving on the outside.
never ending. Your glory goes beyond all fame, and the cry of my heart is to bring you praise from the inside out, Lord, my soul cries out. My heart and my soul, I give you control. Consume me from the inside out, Lord. Let justice and praise become my embrace. To love you from the inside out, everlasting. Your light will shine when all else fades, never ending. Your glory goes beyond all fame, and the cry of my heart is to bring you praise from the inside out, Lord, my soul cries out everlasting. Your light will shine when all else fades, never ending. Your glory goes beyond all fame, and the cry of my heart is to bring you praise from the inside out, Lord, my soul cries out from the in. Side out, Lord, my soul cries out. I think that was it. Great singing. You may be seated. Yeah. Yeah, you get a gold star. God is good. And all the time. Are you awake? Are you sure? Okay. Um, for our uh, responsive reading, uh, let me bring you. Thank you. This is from Galatians. Let me give you um, a sample of what Paul is talking about in Galatians. Paul writes to the churches in Galatia a letter that um, <laughs> is a rebuke. There's no other way to say it. And the reason why it was a rebuke is because the Galatian churches were founded on the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of grace alone. We're saved by grace alone, not by works, okay? And behind Paul, uh, a group uh, known as the Judaizers would go into the churches and say, listen, 
Now, you know, Paul's not telling you the whole truth. You know, you, you can believe in this Jesus, uh, you know, if you want, but if you want to really be saved, you've got to be circumcised and become a Jew. And so it was wreaking havoc in the church, and it was confusing people. Now, you know that the Pharisees were champions of legalism. And um, when, when they disrupt a church like that, um, any, any pastor uh, like Paul would get very disturbed by it. Okay? So, listen to this. Would you read this along with me? Paul speaking here. I am astounded that you are so quickly deserting the one who you called, who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Whoa. Which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. As I now uh, trying to win, oh, I'm sorry. Let's start that again. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Whoa. So this, this disease that could easily enter a church, uh, legalism is something we need to contend with. And um, as we do part two of the uh, healing today that the man um, experienced who was paralyzed by the pool, uh, we're going to see how legalism can destroy people, okay? So, we have a lot to, lot to do. I'm going to ask um, uh, if I can get two people to help with the offering, and, uh, one, oh, thanks, Frank, yep. And before we take the offering, um, uh, let me pray. Let's pray. Father, in the beginning of the service, we talked about uh, people who are hurting uh, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Uh, in particular, Father, we want to pray for Joe, who's been fighting this um, bronchial thing for uh, a while. And we pray that uh, you restore him to health and and, Father, uh, that the medications that the doctor gives are, are the right medications. We pray for our sister BJ, Father, who has had some uh, health issues. We pray that you bring healing back to, to her. And, Father, that she would be able to, to join us again. And, Father, uh, we want to lift Janine up before you as uh, she and her family mourned the, uh, the loss of her brother Frank. We just ask, Father, that you comfort them in this time and, and be with them. And, Father, uh, for uh, Gloria and others who are ailing, uh, we just ask for full recovery. And, Father, I pray for the churches as we enter into the Easter season. Father, would you soften hearts of people, people who are professing believers who maybe haven't been to church for a while,
would you call them back, Father? And people who are even curious about Jesus, would you call them in? And so, Father, we thank you for your grace, your love, and your goodness. Bless the offering and the giver. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me just uh, recap a little bit. Last week we talked about the man by the pool and the, the legend is that an angel would come down, disturb the waters, and whoever gets into the pool first would be healed. This man was paralyzed. Somehow he got to the pool, but you had to wait until the waters were stirred. Like, there was no set time. And because he was paralyzed, uh, you know, when the waters were stirred, of course he couldn't get himself down to the pool. And obviously nobody else helped him, correct? And Jesus sees him there and asks the man if he wants to get well, and he really doesn't answer the man. Uh, the man doesn't answer Jesus. He, you know, he just says, uh, well, you know, I've been this way for 38 years, so on and so forth. Well, Jesus in his grace heals the man, says, pick up your mat and walk. The problem was that it was on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees at this point were watching Jesus like a hawk because they wanted to get rid of him. There's no other way to say it. And so this man got up and walked, and uh, the Pharisees, uh, of course, got their two cents in and went to the man and said, no, 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 you can't do this. You can't carry your mat. It's against the law on the Sabbath. Well, it was against their man-made laws, okay? And they, uh, and they said, who, who told you to pick up the mat? And he says, I don't know. Some man, you know, told me. And, and he, you know, he told me to pick up the mat and walk. That's what I did. Well, the next day, Jesus runs into this man in the temple well, later that day, excuse me, later that day, he, he walks into the temple, sees the man, and the man was in the temple now healed, and my guess was that he wanted to be a part of the temple again. You know, he wasn't able to do that. But the temple was being used for bad purposes. Why do we know that? Because Jesus went into the temple and, tried to cleanse it back then, right? Uh, and whatever this man was involved in, he was well at one time, became ill for 38 years, and he's in the temple sinning. That's what Scripture says. And Jesus said, you better stop sinning. Otherwise, something worse might happen to you. Well, you know what the man did? He ran to the Pharisees, and he said, ah, I got the name of this man. It's Jesus. So the Pharisees went to Jesus and said to him basically this, you have six days to heal. It's not allowed on the Sabbath. Legalism. Legalism. 
First of all, the man ratted out Jesus. He had no intention of following Christ or giving thanks to Christ. He, he pulled what I call the, uh, um, the Judas move, kind of protecting him his own self because the man is the one that actually violated the Sabbath. Jesus just healed the guy, correct? So this is where we pick it up. And watch how this progresses. I mean, this is interesting. One of the reasons why I love reading uh, the Gospels uh, is that Jesus was kind of a, a rebel rouser, but in a, in a good way. So, so because Jesus was doing these things, these healings, by the way, he did seven healings on the Sabbath. Because he was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders be began to persecute him. Notice they weren't persecuting the guy who picked up his mat. They were persecuting Jesus, right? In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I am too working. Now listen, this is significant. Because if the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit took off on the Sabbath, everything would be destroyed. Everything would be destroyed. It is the Son who holds everything together. He created it. He holds everything together. Right? I mean, you know, it, this would be akin to the Trinity going on strike. Right? And he's saying, look. There's work that's acceptable on the Sabbath when it comes to human beings. Wow. See, according to the Pharisees, Jesus should have waited to Monday. But Jesus wanted to prove a point. He says, you made the Sabbath something it wasn't intended to be. God made the Sabbath for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, God wants us to take a day where we disengage from our routine work, worship him, uh, spend time with family, uh, have some recreation, uh, minister to widows and orphans, and you know, do the things that, that we need to do, but it needs to be a time of worship and centering on, on God himself. God always works. Jesus always works. Now, that doesn't mean that we should always work. What it does mean is, for instance, if I got an emergency call this morning uh, that I had to respond to, I would have to go, right? I would have to go. And I would have to deal with it then. And, and Jesus is trying to teach the Pharisees here that how damaging legalism is. Look at how this progresses. For this reason, they tried all the more to what? Kill him. Not only uh, was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. Now they got Jesus on what they thought was blasphemy, where Jesus was only declaring the truth. He's God in the flesh, fully God, fully man. This starts to escalate now. 
And the reason why this is important is because whenever there's legalistic thinking uh, in a religious system, especially, the religious system becomes dysfunctional in the sense that it's not dealing with the problem of legalism. Um, how, do, how does legalism creep into the church very easily? Legalism feeds people's egos and pride. You'll hear statements like this, right? You know, uh, good Christians don't go to movies. Uh, really? Okay. I think that's in the book of Hezekiah, chapter 3. Or you'll hear, you know, good Christians don't dance. Oh, gee. Okay. Did you tell that to David when he danced, when, when the ark came into Jerusalem? You know? I mean, uh, you know, good Christians only use the King James Version of the Bible. That's news to me. King James is a good translation, but we don't talk that way anymore. If you're used to it, fine. It's a great translation, but there's other translations that are just are good. Good Christian women wear skirts to church. I'm telling you these things because I've been in churches like this. Good Christian men wear suits. Now, you could ask my wife, if I had my druthers, I wouldn't have this on. Okay, there you go. <laughs> she got, but I put it on because I'm preaching the word. Okay, if I was sitting out there, I wouldn't have it on. We get caught up in all this garbage when we forget that Jesus is concerned with our hearts and our love for him. You know, listen. Scripture says that when you and I are saved, we have indwelling us the Holy Spirit. And we all have the Word of God. But there's something about the Holy Spirit that when we're doing something and we either knowingly or unknowingly cross the line into sin, He's going to be there tapping on the shoulder. This is not right. This is not right. You need, to, you need to come back and thank God, right? Let's go on and develop this. Jesus gave them this answer. Truly, truly, when, or very truly. Um, in some translations, might be even the uh, King James translation, it would read amen and amen. It's, you can't get truer than this. That's what that means. I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever he, um, the father does, the son also does. He starts to describe the love of the Trinity to the Pharisees. Whoa. Listen. Jesus, the Father is fully God. Jesus is fully God. The Holy Spirit is fully God. Three in one, all of the same essence. But in love, they submit to one another. You know why? Because they're secure in the love of the Father. They're secure in and of themselves. There's no sin lurking around the Godhead, right? And he says, look, while I'm here on earth, 
being fully God, fully man, I submit myself fully to the Father. Whatever he does, I do. Whatever he tells me to say, I say. Man, that's, that's, and now he's really putting the pressure on the Pharisees. He says, the Father and I are one. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. And yes, he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. Not as a spectator, but amazed at what God is doing. If you were up early enough this morning, saw the sunrise, it was pretty neat. Some of the sunsets have been, have been pretty neat lately, too. Have you noticed that? That's God's handiwork. It's amazing. You look at the, um, the ocean, the bay, you know, the birds, the, uh, all, all the creation. I mean, this is amazing. Listen, God does miracles every day. We just get so busy, we don't see them. And what Jesus is saying is, for the Father loves the Son, the Son loves the Father, and shows him all he does. And he will show him even greater works than these. Well, what he's referring to here will become obvious in a second. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom? Uh, to whom he is pleased to give it. Wow. Now, we, we know that the Father and the Son and the Spirit are all active in two areas. First of all, salvation for anyone who comes in repentance and belief. Because that's when the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit gives us new life. Before that, we were dead. And then there's a second application to this, looking forward to what? The second coming of Christ. When there will be the bodily resurrection of both the unholy and those who were saved. Right? Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to his Son. For all that honor the Son, just as they honor the Father, whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. That's a pretty heavy statement, isn't it? I meet people all the time who say to me, yeah, well, you know, I, I'll, I'll acknowledge maybe there is a God, but that is Jesus. Well, guess what? You're in trouble spiritually. I mean, it's, it's pretty evident, right? Whoever does not honor the Son honors the Father. Why should the Son be honored? Because he's fully God and he's fully man. He's our substitute, our perfect substitute to go to the cross and bear our sin in our place. He died for us and then was raised again by the power of the Holy Spirit. We were dead when we trust in what he did for us, now we're alive. And our lives will never end. 
will be in paradise, eternal life, when we believe. And those who don't honor the Son, unfortunately, condemn themselves. They'll have an eternity of what the Bible calls hell. We don't like to talk about hell, do we? But you realize two things mentioned most in the Bible is hell and money. Because the love of money is the root of all evil. It doesn't say having money is evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil, right? And the reason why hell is, is mentioned so much is because God wants to impress on us, first of all, it's a real place. Second of all, it's really the devil's domain. And third of all, there's consequences for our sin if we're not repentant. And we don't believe on Christ. So, now the Pharisees, you know, picture these self-righteous, arrogant people, uh, you know, hearing this. Then Jesus follows with this. This is like the one-two punch, right? Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me, the Father who sent the Son, um, has eternal life, will not be judged, but has crossed over from what? Death to life. Wow. Here it comes again. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Well, that's the gospel. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right. Let me go on. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he who has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Men, and some of them aren't here today, but we've been studying the theology of heaven. And we, and we know when Christ comes back again, all those who have trusted Christ as their personal Lord and Savior are going to rule with Christ in a new heaven and a new earth. Amazing. I can't, I can't even. He passes on the authority to those of us who believe. That's amazing to me. I can't imagine it. Because right now, with the presence of sin, authority can corrupt, correct? Should I send this to Washington, D.C.? No, I guess I shouldn't. Um, okay. Do not be amazed at this, for the time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice. And this is obviously talking about the second coming, too. And come out, and those who have done uh, what is good will rise to live. Well, those who have done what is good, what is good? To believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and receive him by faith. And those who have done what is evil will rise to be what? Condemned, right? By myself, I can do nothing. I, can, uh, I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. That means it's perfect. Jesus' judgment will always fit the crime. For I seek not to please myself, 
Jesus says, but to him who sent me. I mean, by now, the, the Pharisees' blood pressure was at stroke level. You know, because they, they just couldn't comprehend, you know, all of this. But there's something about legalism that is all about image and not, nothing about substance. You know what I mean by that? As long as you look good, if you look holy, it doesn't matter what's happening on the inside of you, right? The important thing is that you appear righteous to others. Hogwash. But you know that fits into our culture, doesn't it? Our culture is all about image. It's all about image. If you ever get a chance, watch the uh, the movie move me yeah, movie Disney's The Kid. The Kid. It's one of the only roles Bruce Willis has where he doesn't swear. All right. He did a remarkable job in the movie, and he's a image consultant, gets paid big bucks for people to look good. Politicians, um, people you know involved in companies, you know CEOs and so on and so forth, and you know he tells them how to look good. Doesn't care about character. The important thing are the optics. Ever hear that word before? The optics. You see, the Pharisees were all about the optics, not the substance. That's what legalism does. You look good, you sound good, but you're rotting on the inside. You're rotting on the inside. It's a serious matter, and uh, you know, over the years, you know, I, I guess this is like 35, 36 years now, pastoring. And some of the stuff we get hung up on is nonsense. And, you know, starting, starting with, you know, the way people dress. Listen, I don't care if somebody comes in here and they have torn dungarees. If they're seeking God, they need to be here. All right? Um, people get upset because we use drums and guitar and keyboard and, you know. You know, hey, listen. Scripture is replete with music. When I introduced uh, drums years ago, um, I thought I was going to be hung. We don't use drums. Well, why not? They're rock instruments. Well, no, let me bring you to the Old Testament here and talks about li uh, the uh, cymbals and the lyres and all sorts of instruments. It's, there's nothing evil about it. It's an instrument. Could it be used for evil? Absolutely, but it's not evil. Okay? And, you know, we get hung up on these things. Uh, I, I used this illustration before. Uh, the Conservative Baptist Association of America they're called something else now. I don't even remember what they're called now. But uh, they used to have a women's retreat down in Harvey Cedars, well attended, four or 500 women. And the women would go down and they'd have time of worship. 
So we had a, a good number of women go down, and when they returned, some of the, uh, how can I say it, some of the older saints came to me and said, Pastor, we're never going again. Well, what do you mean? Well, there were you ladies there with tattoos and, and piercings. And, and I said, so what? That's where they need to be. That's not right. And he said, would you rather them be on the streets doing drugs or something worse? This is exactly where God wanted them. And God loves them no more than he loves you. He doesn't love them any less. Well, I don't like it. Gee, I'm sorry. Tell Jesus that. You know? Uh, Jesus here is, is doing exactly that. You can't heal on, on, on the Sabbath. And Jesus... He uses an example in another part of scripture. He says, let me ask you a question, Pharisees. If you owned a goat and your goat fell into a pit on the Sabbath, would you lift them out? Oh, absolutely. And he says, how much more for a human? How much more for a human? Listen, we need to guard against legalism. And um, legalism will keep people who truly know Christ as spiritual infants and ultimately damage to themselves because no one can live up to the rules of legalism. Not one person. And usually what will happen is that they'll stay in a church maybe... Uh, three, five, even ten years, and then just throw in the towel. Because they know they can't even keep their own rules. And what a shame. The ten rules that we need to be concerned about is the Ten Commandments, not the legalistic rules of man, but the Ten Commandments. And I can't get past the first two without saying I'm guilty. And that's why we need a savior, to save us from ourselves, our self-righteousness, our pride, our sin, and give us new life. We're going to talk more about this as we come into Easter and um, see how this develops. But listen, I don't care what anybody tells you, we are saved by grace alone. We are continue to be saved by grace alone and we will be brought into glory by grace alone. If anybody tells you something other than that, don't listen to them. That's legalism. Amen? I'm going to ask our, uh, our two Grammy award winning singers uh, to come up. Listen, they get my award, so I'm grateful. I, I chose this last song because here's, a, here's what I want you to do. Don't get angry at me, all right? 
I want you to lift the roof. The name of the, of the song is Shout to the Lord. I want you to lift the roof, the roof. Not, not because we just want to lift the roof, because we want to glorify and praise him and lift up his name. Would you stand, please? Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. My comfort, my shelter, tower of refuge and strength. Let every breath, all that I am, never cease to worship you. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. Power and majesty, praise to the King. Mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name. I sing for joy at the work of your hands. Forever I'll love you, forever I'll stand. Nothing compares to the promise I have in you. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. My comfort, my shelter, tower of refuge and strength, let every breath, all that I am, never cease to worship you. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing, power and majesty, praise to the King, mountains bow down and the seas will roar 
unto the Lord of all the earth let us sing power and majesty praise to the king mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name I sing for joy at the God is good. Let's pray. Father, as we're dismissed from this place, may we walk in your grace. May we live in your grace. And may we do all we do, not for our glory, but for your glory. Help us, Holy Spirit, to remain obedient to the word. And Father, we look forward to coming back here. And remembering the day you went into Jerusalem, and proclaim yourself as king, for that is who you are. We praise you, King of kings and Lord of lords, and we thank you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Hey, good group. Good group. God bless. Have a great day. I got to run up to Tom's River. Today's the last day of school. So. <laughs>